There is nothing wrong with your radio. Do not attempt to change the station. We are controlling transmission. If we wish to make it louder, we will bring up the volume. If we wish to make it softer, we will bring it to a whisper. For the next hour, sit quietly and we shall control all that you hear. You are about to participate in a great adventure. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limits. And now, it's time for the radio show that covers just about every topic. Because variety is the spice of life. From the arcane and unusual to current events and practical tips. Because if it's interesting, they'll be talking about it. And now, here's Bill and Allison Mancaro. Well, thank you, Harley. Thank you very much. Good morning. Good morning, Allison. Good morning, Bill. Well, it is a, a bit of a chilly morning, but it's an going to be a nice day today yesterday was just absolutely gorgeous yeah and i understand next week is going to be in the 80s yeah so we've had our one week of spring <laughs> in the whole country oh <laughs> uh, well what are you going to do well we are bill and allison we are that we have a trigger warning for you we are as is every host at the hill country patriot your information station we are non-binary non-binary here that's right we are not politically correct. We are politically politically incorrect. Proudly politically incorrect, but most importantly, we are we strive to be biblically correct. And uh, I'm a native Texan, Allison. You are native. I'm a Native American. A Native American, American, uh, American. But uh, she she means that in a couple of different ways. Uh, you have a, and we're going to be talking about. Uh, your uh, your people today. Oh, okay. Uh-huh, a little bit later in the show. But Allison is part Chickasaw, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm from the panhandle of Texas, Dalhart to be specific, way up there where uh, where the wind blows. It comes down from uh, comes down from Canada. There's nothing between Canada and Dalhart, Texas, to stop the wind, and uh, that's boy. I'll tell you what, that can be uh, brutal, but. Proud to be from Dalhart. Uh, and uh, Alice and I are fighting a never-ending battle for truth, justice. And the American way. There you go. There you go. Well, we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to be talking about uh, some famous birthdays today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some tributes to President Ronald Reagan, who Alice and I both worked for. Uh, and we have uh, a woke alert, which is we find the weirdest thing that we can find that is a, um, an example of wokeness gone crazy. Of course, wokeness is crazy, but uh, and uh, we present it to you. We've got an exclusive interview coming up with a, a candidate that you want to hear, particularly if you live in his, uh, not district, but area. Uh, and just some stories you will not believe. Some news stories that I'll bet you haven't heard. Mm-hmm. That's what we strive to, to do. And here t- in the today, you, you might 
know this, but today is the uh, uh, primary in South Carolina. Oh. It's, uh, Nick, Nikki Haley and Donald Trump. Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley is the one who said uh, when she came in third in Iowa uh, in the primary there, after the next morning, she said, well, it's a two-person race now. Well, it was because... Um, no, it wasn't. What's his name dropped out? Not before she said that. Well, that's true. That is true. So before but, she but said, but he did. When she said that, it was Trump, DeSantis, who came in second, and Nikki Haley, who came in third. And she had a press conference the next morning, which, while DeSantis was still in the race, saying it's now a two-person race. I would have loved to be a reporter in the room saying, "Are you you're talking about Trump and DeSantis? Aren't you?" <laughs> right. So anyway. uh, Trump, uh, DeSantis, wisely dropped out. Yeah. He should have never gotten I mean, in. I, he was I a said great the, governor of Florida. Well, I've, I've managed a lot of political campaigns. I, in fact, when I was 11 years old, I got my mom to take me. I, I made a cardboard box, put a couple holes in it, and string, several loops of string to put it around my neck. And I got my mom to take me down to Republican headquarters and uh, get some literature. And I stood on a street corner uh, and passed, passed out the, uh, the literature. So mm-hmm. I've been interested in politics for a little while. Well, I was quite quite young too when I got a, first got involved mm-hmm. as a volunteer. Mm-hmm. You worked for Senator Jesse Helms. Well, that's when I was in. That was well young. Well, yeah. Not when you were eleven. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but anyway, that's uh, yeah. Allison uh, worked. We met on Capitol Hill in Washington. We were both congressional staffers, and. Uh, but, uh, no, we're talking about DeSantis, and uh, as I said, uh, Alice and I have been involved in campaigns for years, and uh, I said from the beginning, he shouldn't run. It's not his time. Uh, and, and if he does, if I was advising him, I'd say, don't run this time. Yeah. Run in four years, because Trump can only do, have another four years. Uh, he can't be reelected, because he's already served in, uh, four years. And, and even though they're not contiguous, that's the way it, the, the law is. But I would t- advise him, don't. Don't run this time. All you'll do is, number one, you won't win. And number two, you will tick off Trump supporters. And you will actually have less support four years from now when you, if you run. But he didn't ask me. Can you imagine <laughs> that, Allison? Uh, no, I think he would make a great president. But I think we, we need Donald Trump this time. Yeah, I do too. Well, on uh, you, we have some... You, you don't need to ask how... How we feel politically. <laughs> no, no, I think we're uh, pretty obvious. Uh, a little bit of history for you, at, uh, commemorating uh, this time in uh, 1846, specifically February 19, so we're a couple of days, a few days behind, but it doesn't matter. In 1846, the Republic of Texas officially relinquished its control to the first legislature of the state of Texas in the United States. The flag of the Republic of Texas was lowered, and the flag of the United States was raised. The Lone Star Republic had become the Lone Star State. I was talking to Matt McCall the other day, and he said something very interesting, and I didn't know that. He said, uh, Texas came into uh, the United States by treaty, okay? And uh, there, was a, uh, there was a Supreme Court case where the Supreme Court ruled, and I don't remember, the, I should know, but I don't remember the specifics, where the Supreme Court ruled uh, something about the Treaty of, of Texas and saying it was, uh, um, oh, it has to do with offshore oil and who controlled, who, who, who did the offshore oil belong to in the Gulf off of Texas? Did it belong to the United States or did it belong to the state of Texas? The state of Texas said it uh, belonged to, to us. Of course, the U.S. said, no, it's ours. So the Supreme Court uh, 
made a ruling, and it uh, apparently the night before the ruling was announced, the uh, one of the clerks in the Supreme Court realized that if this ruling went ahead, Texas would no longer be part of the United States <laughs> because the Supreme Court had effectively ruled that the treaty br- that brought Texas into the United States uh, was that part of it was not valid. And if part of it was not valid, then the whole thing is not valid. But nobody figured that out. Nobody thought of that, uh, according to Matt McCall, from the night bef- until the night before it was announced. And if that hadn't been caught, uh, the United States officially at least would not be part of the united states uh texas would not be part of the united states uh but uh that's so if texas ever wanted to leave the united states all it would have to do is say we no longer are part of this treaty and so it wouldn't be any official big deal it would just be announcing because any party of a treaty can break it uh, according to international law uh, anytime they want to so but uh, also on this day in 1876, citizens of Texas adopted the Constitution of 1876. It is about the longest U.S. state constitution. I don't know anybody who's memorized it. Uh, it's been a bit, been added to, amended more than 230 times, uh, and of course, it is the basic law of Texas today. So those are some things of interest. Uh, what else have I got? What have you got, Allison? Well, I have a, story, a couple of stories that are slightly contradictory, slightly contradict each other. Um, now, I'll bet, Bill, do you know? Oh, here we wh- go. What? <laughs> here we go. Allison always loves to come up with quizzes for me. I have no idea what she's going to ask me, really. I well, do, you might know the answer to this. All right. Um, do you know from whom US, the U.S. now buys more? What what country? What country does the U.S. now buy more from? I know the answer to that. You do. Our number one trading partner used to be China, but mm-hmm. most recently, it's now Mexico. Uh, exactly. Yeah, uh, Mexico surpassed China as the top uh, exporter to the U.S. last year for the first time in twenty years. So I actually got a question right about that. <laughs> well, and here's why it's happening. Um, Trump-era tariffs on selected products and the Biden's climate rules aimed at limiting dependence on clean tech from China have made the country's imports pricier. Uh, U.S.-China political beef convinced some manufacturers serving the American market to set up shop in Mexico. And hiring workers in China became more expensive as the country got richer. Hmm. And foreign investment in Mexico rose 21% last year, partially due to exporters ditching China. Um, other companies are also vying to become America's factory. Uh, the, the share of U.S. imports coming from South Korea and India grew over the past year. But China still plays a major role in making the products that get shipped to the U.S. Uh, even for U.S. imports made elsewhere, Chinese companies often supply the components, and they've been pouring billions into manufacturing facilities in Mexico as a way to sidestep the U.S.'s tariffs. Did you know, oh, no, did you know that? No, I didn't know all those details, no. Um, but looking ahead, U.S.-China trade might get squeezed even more. Um, if Donald Trump is, is elected, he says he's considering a 60% tariff on Chinese goods. Uh-huh. Okay, now, now here's the here's the other slightly contradictory story. 
the pandas are coming. The pandas are returning. Do you remember I told you recently that um, China has been had been taking our pandas away? Oh, they yeah, they gave uh, two pandas to Richard Nixon when he opened up the. We didn't give them to him, but they gave them to the United States when Nixon opened up China. Mm-hmm. And Ling Ling and Ding Same. Ding or something. Well, they're long, they're long dead, long gone. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, we lived in um, as as we have said many times in Washington D.C. And there's a, <laughs> always a discussion about oh gee are are the pandas going to get pregnant? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was big news. And, and and the poor female panda kept having um, um, miscarriages. Miscarriages. Yeah. But and finally she had a baby. Mm-hmm. But uh, pandas are coming back. Uh, China's going to send two giant pandas to the San Diego Zoo by the end of the summer. Um, so that's a, a sign of thawing tensions. Between China and the and well, the US. they use the pandas as political tools. Oh, exactly, you know, exactly. You know, well, that, yeah, I was on a, a bus once uh, in, in D.C. and you know all this discussion, um, you know, but uh, and there was an obviously pregnant woman, and I, you know we made a little conversation. And I said, "When's the baby due?" <clears throat> I found out you don't ask that question. Uh, I've never asked that question before. She looked at me and said, "What baby?" And I said, uh, the, uh, the, ba- the baby panda at the zoo, uh, I just wondered when uh, the baby was due there because I thought I'd just ask a perfect stranger that question. So never ask, when's the baby due? <laughs> <laughs> my, my mother did that when she was in the emergency room. She was being tended to by, by a woman who was fat, who was overweight. Yeah. And obviously not pregnant, she was just fat. And my mother said to her, when's the baby due? Yeah, especially somebody. In an emergency room. Yeah, you don't ask somebody who has a knife in their hand. <laughs> exactly. Like that. Exactly. Um, <laughs> oh, I just, I learned recently, too, when someone asks you uh, who your favorite child is, you should name one of your own. <laughs> <laughs> I've just learned that recently, too. But um, d- during their uh, recent meeting, uh, President Biden and Chinese leader Chi. Jinping uh, pledged to ease uh, relations, um, renewing the long-standing tradition of panda diplomacy. Mm-hmm. Um, the China Wildlife Conservation Association is reportedly also in talks to send pandas back to Washington D.C. Oh, well, very cool, very cool. Well, we have a uh, birthday that we were celebrating today. It's not this; uh, it's a it's a birthday. Uh, of George Friedrich Handel, and uh, you would know his music, I'm sure, uh, when you hear it, at least. If not, you don't know it already. He was a German Baroque composer and organist. Uh, he wrote uh, Messiah, uh, water music, a little water music. Uh, he was born in uh, uh, what is now Germany, was the Holy Roman Empire at the time. And this is uh, this is something uh, very familiar, I'm sure, to everyone, uh, by George Friedrich Handel.
Of course, that's the Hallelujah Chorus from the Messiah. So happy birthday, George Frederick Hundle today. And I was able to mouth the words to it. Really? Well, yeah. good, good. Well, he, uh, let's see. Let's see, 16, 17, 18, 19. He's uh, about uh, 350 years old today. So. <laughs> Still cranking out that music. Hey, George, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. We have, uh, oh, let's, since we're, we've got a lot of uh, Ronald Reagan stuff for you because it's also his birthday not, uh, and uh, we're celebrating. Uh, here is, uh, he, had a, he had a quick wit, I mean, extremely quick wit. And uh, here's one example of it. He's giving a speech in Berlin when a balloon uh, popped you know they have all these balloons in the in you know the celebration and all that and he's giving a speech and listen to how quickly he reacts to the balloon popping by its very existence and character berlin remains the most compelling argument for an open world we're reminded of the many traditions of openness and democracy that have marked the history of this city america missed me <clears throat> Isn't that great? <laughs> Missed me. <laughs> but we're going to have a lot more examples of Ronald Reagan's humor and some things that uh, he said that uh, aren't humorous but uh, very instructive as uh, the program goes on. The Bill and Allison Show on the Hill Country Patriot, your information station, 104.3 FM, 102.1 FM as well. And, of course, uh, you can catch us on hillcountrypatriot.com live. And uh, we also, what else, Allison? Our website, right? First couple, first of, couple of Texas Radio, you can go to hear our past shows. First couple of Texas Radio.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, didn't I say that? Mm, I don't know. I, I wasn't listening. <laughs> what, what do we have coming up? We have uh, a few more historic events, but uh, also... Well, I can give you some. Uh, yeah, I can, I'm trying to decide what we're gonna go. Where we're gonna go. I can give you some advice on what to do if your phone gets wet. Oh, that's very good. Yeah, that's happened to me, and I'm sure it's happened to a lot of people. Uh, we're also coming up in the show uh, a little bit later on. We're gonna have the events going on in the Hill Country this weekend for you and your family to enjoy. So we don't want to miss you to miss out on anything. We are Bill and Allison Mancaro. The Hill Country Patriot, your information station. Stay with us for a brief couple of announcements. And this is our friend, George oh, Bennett. Yes, it is. Singing Texas on My Mind. Which he wrote. Mm-hmm. Another day, another dollar. Another footprint on my soul. If I find another Surely be at home Was I really leaving Or was I searching for that peace of mind When I found I had Texas on my mind
Welcome back. We're Bill and Allison. Yes, Hill Country Patriots. Yes, we are. Well, I promised before the break to tell you what to do if your phone gets wet. Uh, we've always been told to put our phones in rice if they get wet. Rice. Rice. Yeah, I've I've heard that when I, when I had when I had that problem, I uh, I was told I didn't do it because I learned that afterwards after my phone dried out. My phone just dried out. Well, um, the I guess the theory is that it rice absorbs water. Yeah, but you should not do that. Instead, you should tap your phone against your hand with the connector facing down to let the liquid drip out. Then. Leave it in a dry area. Mm-hmm. Apple said in a new post that uh, small particles of rice can damage your phone. Well, is it, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, uh, and, well, an- another thing. Well, uh, what? Before you go on to another subject? I'm not. Oh, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say? Uh, I was going to say that with all electronics, number one, if they get wet, do not turn them on. Keep them turned off until they're fully dry because you can short it out because of the, the moisture in there. So make sure it's fully dry before you turn it back on. That's whether a phone or any kind of electronics. Okay. That's well, what, my contribution. What I was going to say about the phone, um, what, I, what I learned recently, um, my phone stopped charging. and I mean, it wouldn't hold a charge, and I would put the charger in, and the charger would fall out. Well, what I learned is that there was lint inside the charging port. Belly button lint. <laughs> well, what I just started recently wearing um, my phone on a lanyard around my neck so that I have it with me at all times. And in the winter, I w- sometimes wear fuzzy sweaters. So my theory is that's that's how the lint was getting it because this has never happened before. Um, so that's my theory on uh what happened so we took it to the verizon store and he just cleaned it out like with a paper clip mm-hmm. yeah but uh, he advised probably not trying to do that yourself you might damage something in there so uh if you if you have that problem just take it down to uh, a you know dealer in uh, in uh, phones and uh, have them clean it out that was uh, the advice we got well yeah. as i uh, and we're certainly glad we we don't have uh, at&t earlier this week i oh, think i think it was right. about half the country that's right um maybe s- southeast and, and into our area uh, people had no cell phone service <laughs> that's right that's right well we're celebrating uh, our old boss ronald reagan's uh, birthday and uh here is something he said when uh, people were rioting in the streets and don't you wish we had a president uh who would react this way about rioters all of it began the first time some of you who know better and are old enough to know better let young people think that they have the right to choose the laws they would obey as long as they were doing it in the name of social protest. I'm sick and tired of the argument about whether some effort to enforce law and order is going to escalate anything at all. Plain truth of the matter is this has to stop and it has to stop like the day before yesterday. And it's going to be stopped, whatever it takes. I was picked a few days ago in California by some youngsters that had signs that said, Make love, not war. Trouble is, they didn't look like they were capable of doing either. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the great Ronald Reagan. Don't we? Uh, Somebody said... uh, 
said, Lord, if you're not coming back soon, could you could you at least send Ronald Reagan back? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, here's another reason we uh, miss uh, Ronald Reagan. Uh, U.S. Senate Democrats are pushing a bill that could prevent churches from having armed security. Uh, the bill is the Preventing Private Military Act of 2024, sponsored by Senator Edward Markey, Democrat of, guess what state? Massachusetts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he's been around forever. Yeah, he sure has. He sure has. He was there when we, we were in Capitol Hill. Oh, yeah. And that was forever. <laughs> he was young uh, back then. Yeah, yeah. Alice and I used to, as we mentioned, used to work uh, for the U.S. Congress. Anyway, uh, if an active shooting situation takes place, and this if this bill is enacted into law, if an active shooting situation took place in a church and the shooter was killed or injured by the church security team, this law would make members of the security team subject to criminal penalties up to life in prison. Wow. So somebody come in, start shooting up a church, they get killed by the church security team, the church security team can face up to life in prison. Wow. Isn't that unbelievable? Yeah. Unbelievable. But that's that's what's going on in the U.S. Senate. Hmm? What you got, Elsa? Well, okay, I have a quiz for you. Oh, man. I'm going to give you... I never do well in these I'm going to give you a list of ingredients, and your job is to tell me what it's for. It's a... Okay, I'll give you a hint. It's a famous food product. Okay. Okay, the ingredients are distilled white vinegar, molasses, sugar, water, salt, onions, anchovies, garlic, <laughs> cloves... Tamarind extract, natural flavorings, chili pepper extract. Well, that's exactly what I had for breakfast this morning. (laughs) I I was very impressed that that water is like the one, two, three, fourth ingredient as opposed to an awful lot of products. It's the first ingredient. Okay, so go ahead. Do you have any, any ideas? I would okay, say it's... One, one hint, you probably would not eat it for breakfast. Like I said, I just did. Uh, no, I... It sounds like some sort of a... Some sort of a marinade, maybe? Well, you're you're warm. Okay, I'll tell you. Uh, you know... I'll, you, I, give I, up, you give up? Yeah, I do. Okay. It's a Worcestershire sauce. Oh... Yeah, how about okay. that? How okay, okay. No, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Oh. Huh. Appreciate that. Well, as as we've said, uh, we're celebrating Ronald Reagan's birthday month, and uh, we want to share another example of his excellent sense of humor. Yes, today is my birthday. 75 years ago, I was born in Tampico, Illinois, in a little flat above the bank building. He didn't have any other contact with the bank than that. Now, here I am, sort of living above the store again. I don't know whether you know it or not, but I have a new hobby. I am collecting stories that I can actually prove are told among the Russian people. They make them up themselves, they tell them between themselves, reveals they got a great sense of humor, 
And they've also got a little cynical attitude about things in their country. And uh, one of these stories, the one I'm going to tell you, I told to General Secretary Gorbachev. And he laughed. <laughs> the story was an American and a Russian arguing about their two countries. And the American said, look, in my country, I can walk into the Oval Office, I can pound the president's desk and say, Mr. President, I don't like the way you're running our country. And the Russian said, I can do that. The American said, you can? He says, yes. I can go into the Kremlin, to the General Secretary's office, pound his desk and say, Mr. General Secretary, I don't like the way President Reagan's running his country. <laughs> President, distinguished members of the Congress, honored guests, and fellow citizens. Today marks my first State of the Union address to you, a constitutional duty as old as our Republic itself. President Washington began this tradition in 1790 after reminding the nation that the destiny of self-government and the preservation of the sacred fire of liberty is finally staked on the experiment entrusted to the hands of the American people. For our friends in the press who place a high premium on accuracy, let me say, I did not actually hear George Washington say that. <laughs> I can define middle-aged. That's when you're faced with two temptations and you choose the one that'll get you home at nine o'clock. <laughs> Well, he, he mentioned uh, living in Tampico, mm -hmm. Illinois. Uh, was he born there? He was born in Tampico, yes. And we were at the, visited the place where he was born. Yes. The place where he lived when he was born. It's uh, not very far, about 30 miles from where uh, I grew up. I you know, was born in uh, Dalhart, Texas, but I mostly grew up. My parents kidnapped me and took me to Illinois. And. Uh, so I grew up uh, just down the road from uh, Ronald Reagan's uh, birthplace in uh, Dixon, Illinois, where he uh, spent his uh, youth. Uh, but we were, Allison and I visited the uh, his birthplace in Tampico. It's a very modest mm -hmm. uh, building. Oh, yeah. um, hmm? Like he said, it was above the bank building. Yeah, it's a very small apartment above a, a what used to be a bank. And uh, he actually went back one time to, uh, while he was president mm -hmm. to, to visit it. And uh, pretty cool. In fact, uh, we... Hanging on our wall is a uh, note. Uh, it was a, uh, we were given a check uh, from mm -hmm. the uh, from the bank. From the bank, uh, unfortunately, it's uh, can't cash it. But uh, the bank went out of business years ago. But uh, they had a bunch of old checks, and they gave them to visitors. So uh, it's worth uh, seeing. It's called the Ronald Reagan Trail, I believe they call it. And uh, you can go to there. You can go to Dixon, where he grew up, and see his boyhood home there. And they have a museum, and uh, it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Very very cool. Uh, in fact. One of my dad's best friends was Ronald Reagan's roommate at uh, Eureka College, which is in Illinois, small college in Illinois. And he had some stories to tell. In fact, I asked uh, uh, President Reagan once, uh, I, his man's name was Paul Powell, he's a physician, my dad's friend. And I said, uh, I said, I understand your roommate was Paul Powell, and he confirmed it. He <laughs> said, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I had the opportunity to work for uh, Governor and then President Reagan, and uh, that was... Uh, Great experience. I was mm -hmm. very blessed to do that. Well, I think we have a woke alert, do we not, Allison? We have the... That's our woke alert. I think we have a couple. Yeah. But you, you go with yours. All right. 
We try to find the weirdest woke thing we can find uh, for each show, and believe me, it's a tough choice. Kids in Seattle's high schools, Seattle, Washington high schools, are now being taught that speaking English properly and writing using correct grammar is an example of white supremacy. Oh, gee, many Christmas. Yeah, you haven't heard this story, have you? No. Yeah. Uh, the uh, manual for the teachers saying uh, it blasts what it calls the worship of the written word, and it's white supremacy, in quotes, because it is, quote, an erasure of the wide range of ways we communicate with each other. Uh, and it goes on to accuse white supremacists of honoring, quote, honoring only what is written, and even then only what is written to a narrow standard full of misinformation and lies. Of course, misinformation is anything the left disagrees with. Uh, it's like a hate crime. A hate crime is any uh, crime against somebody they, they don't think you know, they want to protect. Uh, but they, they say in this, and this is uh, directly from the manual, characteristic, nine characteristics of white supremacy uh, given to the teachers in the Seattle public schools. Uh, one of them is, uh, you can tell a white supremacist is someone who thinks that there are right, there is right and wrong. Wow. Here's another one. Uh, a white supremacist is someone uh, who thinks they are entitled to name what is and isn't racism. Of course, that would make them white supremacists because <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what they're doing. Uh, and that uh, well, it's okay to be a racist if you're if you're black, racist oh, is against that what it is? against white people. Oh, yeah, I that's see. that's totally different. So we can have the black entertainment television network, mm-hmm. but not the white entertainment television. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Well, thank you, Allison. Uh, and. Uh, what else? Oh, yeah, from this manual. Uh, white supremacy and racism uh, is uh, endemic in society, and uh, anybody who says otherwise is spreading lies and misinformation. Um, there was a father of one of the students in this high school in Seattle said, quote, I feel bad for any students who actually internalize stuff like this as it is setting them up for failure. Is it not? Teaching you that there's no right and wrong, uh, that you sh- uh, the, that uh, no matter how you speak or talk or there's grammar is white supremacist, uh, and uh, the classwork also attacked all levels of any strife uh, striving to achieve excellence as white supremacy. It's now, now, what, now, what city is this? Seattle, Washington. Okay, public schools in Seattle, Washington. They were, they were told proper English and grammar is white supremacy. It, the manual said objectivity, individualism are all bad things. Striving for perfection is a bad thing. This goes along with schools now uh, not having tests, mm-hmm. and everybody gets an A. You know, everybody gets a participation, participation trophy. Really, really stupid. Boy, isn't it? It's stupid. I mean, this is 100% communist. They want, and here's why. What they're doing, this and so many other ways, they want conforming, ill-informed, uh, uneducated slaves 
to accept their indoctrination. They want to stop them from learning to read and write well so they don't actually accidentally begin thinking for themselves. Uh, this father that I quoted, one of the students in Seattle, Washington, quote, how is a 15-year-old kid supposed to object in class when denial and defensiveness is itself a characteristic of white supremacy? So if you say, well, uh, teacher, I don't, uh, you know, I don't understand this. Uh, uh, this really doesn't make sense. Oh, you're a white supremacist. That's the answer. They don't. You notice how leftists rarely, if ever, deal with the facts in an argument or a discussion or a debate. Uh, they attack. They attack the person. It's always a personal attack. It's usually a personal attack. Uh, another aspect of this training in public schools in Seattle is a video that teaches white children that they need to be quote called out for oppressing marginalized people. Calling out little children. Okay, teaching little wow. children. Uh, this this father came out, uh, again said, quote, my problem with this curriculum is that this is supposed to be a writing and literature class. Lessons like these do nothing to help my kid become a better writer. So this is a crime. It teaches black kids that achieving proficiency in reading and writing is a bad thing, even as it teaches white kids that they're inherently evil and need to bend the knee to ignorance and self-hatred. So this is not just accidental, Allison. Uh, to, mm -hmm. It's not an accident. They are trying to destroy American society. It's a directly laid plan to do so. It goes back to uh, Gramsci. Uh, it goes back to Saul Alinsky. If you don't know those names, look them up. Uh, but it's just that simple. Uh, it's, an, it's a plan. It's called a long march through the institutions to destroy American values. Well, and Barack culture, Obama. Christian values. Barack Obama was a... a Acolyte. Acolyte to um, Saul Alinsky. So, so was uh, Hillary. Yeah. Hillary was a, was a radical uh, mm -hmm. Marxist uh, when she was in college and uh, uh, believed in all that stuff. Well, we're going about and some stories from the news that I pretty much guarantee we pretty much guarantee you've never heard. So, we'll be back after this quick break with all that and much more on the Bill and Allison Mancaro show on the Hill Country Patriot. Your information station, 104.3 and 102.1 FM. Now, the first couple of Texas radio. Here's Bill and Allison Mencaro. We be the first couple of Texas radio. That's right. Welcome back. <laughs> well, I promise that uh, i tell you why you should vote Democrat. We've got a bunch of reasons here. Um, one thing is uh, you believe the government will do a better job of spending the money that you earn than you would. I think that's, that's a logical reason. Um, you vote Democrat because you know that your local police are all you need to protect you from murderers and thieves. You know, we have a, after all, we have a 911 service that will get the police to your house you know, in time to identify your body after a home invasion. <laughs> so those are some of the reasons why you should vote Democrat. Well, <clears throat> did you know that Finnair, the um, airline of Finland, uh, has just announced that it will weigh passengers at the gate? <laughs> weigh passengers? <laughs> As part of a trial program Whoa. to improve plane weight estimates well they now, have to estimate how much a plane weighs i don't know how they how other lines airlines do it i know 
I <clears throat> I have been on a, a very mm-hmm. small plane that actually weighed people, and and that they would do that to fit, decide which side of the plane to put you on, and yeah, whether I, the back or the front. And, I remember being on flights uh, wherever you know, rarely, but once in a while they'll say uh, we need to move people around. Right, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. And at this point on thin air, it's just voluntary. Oh, it is mm-hmm. voluntary. Well, who's mm-hmm. going to volunteer to be weighed? Well, apparently they were—they've been surprised at the large number of people have, well, that these, have volunteered. These are, these are Finns. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're used exactly. to a socialist government. That's that's exact, exactly right. Yeah, they'll they'll obey anything. Uh, I don't know if you, you I think you heard what uh, what's her name, Corinne Jean Pierre. Yeah, Corinne Jean Pierre. She's the press secretary of the White House. The stupidest. She she was hired because she's a black woman. And, and she's a lesbian. That, that, that's why, why she got her job. To, why do we need to know exactly to know that exactly? And mm-hmm. and she's just incredibly stupid. If you've ever seen those press conferences, yeah. I, I mean, as a kid, I used to watch The Wizard of Oz, and I wondered why somebody could talk without a brain. Now I know, <laughs> <laughs> just watching her. Uh, well, here here she is talking about. Uh, there were there were several uh, soldiers. Uh, killed um as i think everybody knows that uh the other day and uh here here is the pr- white house press secretary talking about it and the reaction of a military wife obviously our deepest condolences uh, go out and our he- heartfelt condolences go out to the families uh, who lost uh three three brave uh, three brave, uh, three brave of uh, three folks who are, who are military folks who are brave, who are always fighting, who are fighting on behalf and of uh, this administration. Hi, Corinne, military wife here. Just so you know, the United States military does not fight on behalf of your administration. Doesn't fight on behalf of any administration. The United States military fights on behalf of the United States and the United States Constitution. The three U.S. soldiers who were killed in Jordan over the weekend and the 34 others who were injured were there defending the freedom and liberty of Americans. This is what happens when you hire a black lesbian simply because she's a black lesbian and not because she's any good at her job. It should be illegal to be this incompetent. Three U.S. soldiers are dead. And the most this woman has to offer is to mumble some incoherent sounds like a stroke victim. Now, maybe if we had a president who knew his head from a hole in the wall, whose fortitude on the world stage was stronger than a wet spaghetti noodle, we wouldn't have dead soldiers and a press secretary who has all the intellectual capacity of a bean sprout. Isn't that great? great? (laughs) Isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, she's something. I don't know who that that woman was. Mm -hmm. but uh, But She's a military wife. She needs a medal for that, I'll tell you. Well, the uh, jobs report came out this week. Uh, the January jobs report released by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and everybody's cheering about it. Oh, my gosh, the number of jobs created has, has gone up so much. You probably heard that. Payrolls increased by over half a million to start the, the year, which was a lot higher than anybody expected. You probably heard all this glowing stuff about how the economy's bouncing back because there's so many new jobs created. Well, better look again. What doesn't get explained is whether those jobs are full-time or part-time jobs. And in fact, virtually all jobs gains in the past year have been part-time workers. In fact, we have lost 97,000 full-time jobs 
but gained 870,000 part-time jobs. So, well, okay, isn't job growth good no matter what, what it is, part-time or full-time? No. Uh, changing from full-time to part-time could uh, means less confidence for companies to have full-time employees. It's cheaper for them. Uh, they don't have to necessarily have full benefits. They can reduce benefits or even have no benefits for part-time workers. Uh, so saves businesses a lot of money. Uh, and uh, real, real wages have been de- decreasing from 2021 through 22 and going beyond. The, the figures aren't in yet, of course. But uh, I'll tell you, you know, Karnak prediction, wages will be shown to be decreasing. So not only have companies shifted their preference toward part-time workers, but all workers have seen less take-home pay. Okay? So that's the dark side of this jobs report. And uh, I don't think it'll come as a surprise, Allison, to anybody. I think you mentioned this on the show a few, few weeks ago, maybe. Uh, a Big Mac burger, a medium beverage, and a medium fry meal now costs $18 in some places. Yeah, isn't that incredible? And the same places when Donald Trump was president, $10. Yeah. Uh, New York Post editorial board reported, quote, President Biden's terrible economic policies uh, have driven prices overall about 15% higher. Overall, food and energy are up 25%. Uh, Basically... Biden has slashed the income of a typical family by close to $5,000. A pound of ground beef uh, now costs the average $5.23, up from $3.89 when Trump was president. Coffee is up $2 a pound. Fresh fruits and vegetables are nearly 14% higher. Uh, Eggs have gone through the roof, triple what they were when Trump was president. And Biden is oblivious to these costs. During a speech, he, he bragged about the price of turkey, gas, and air travel. He says, quote, this is from Joe Biden, you know, from turkey to air travel to a tank of gas, costs have gone way down. Well, let's look at the facts. The average price per pound for whole frozen turkey has increased by 12 cents from under Trump to Biden. The average airline fare increased by about $50. The nationwide average for a gallon of gas, we don't have to be told that, increased by about 90 cents. So, you know, what is he talking about? He, well, he doesn't buy gas. Ask him what the price <laughs> Love to be a reporter or, saying, or Mr. Groceries. Mr. President, how much does a loaf of bread cost, a gallon of milk, a uh, gallon of gas? He hasn't clue because he doesn't buy that stuff. Um, so, but that's, those are the facts. And, you, you know, you can't deny it. There's an old saying in politics that... Uh, it's the economy, stupid, which means people vote their pocketbook. And the last thing any incumbent politician wants is for the economy to be bad during an election uh, because people vote their pocketbook. And exactly. especially if they remember what prices were under Trump. Exactly. So there you go. But any, anyway, that's some of the – don't be fooled by this stuff about the jobs growth and, the you know, the things are better. No, no, no. It's uh, – that ain't what's going on. What you got, Elson? Is that an air raid? 
Is that, is that the hail warning? <laughs> no, that's our woke alert. This is uh, one of the most woke stories of the week coming up. A California school district has spent $250,000 on a woke kindergarten curriculum. And that $250,000 went to a for-profit company. And the curriculum is for young children. Um, This is at a time when most of the students were failing to achieve grade-level competency in reading, writing, and math. Their literacy scores are in the single digits. Um, The teacher training provided by the group um, for this uh, woke kindergarten organization taught anti-Israel and anti-police messages and told police they were meant to disrupt whiteness in school and they were paid for using a a federal program to help low-performing schools. Well, the literacy scores dropped by 4%. Um, and a teacher uh, in the school district, and this is Hayward, California, where the program was initiated, said, I shouldn't have to get on the bandwagon of defending police or insulting our country, uh, she told the local newspaper. Um, a, a guest faculty uh, insists that the curriculum takes the resources away from helpful educational methods. Uh, this woke indoctrination does nothing to improve students' reading and math achievements and instead takes critical resources uh, away from things that would have an impact. Uh, low-performing districts should be spending money and time on proven reading and math intervention training, um, which prepare, which helps teachers uh, prepare students to succeed academically. I, I mean, isn't that outrageous? A yeah. woke curriculum for kindergarten and in lower uh, elementary age kids absolutely that is disgusting well on that same on that subject here's the next big education con called equity grading okay uh public schools all over the country are using this phrase equity grading to convince parents that this approach is going to help kids learn more okay well Equity grading means that there are no grades for homework, no grades for classwork, no grades for class participation, no grades for anything. Hard work. Students cannot be penalized for late work or work not handed in at all. The overriding idea is that every student should get an A, a participation trophy. Wow. That's equity grading because it's called that because one of its premises is that many children come from different circumstances, different cultures, economic situations with different levels of support from parents, etc. So they should not be held to the same grading standards as other children. In fact, they should not be, have to be held to deadlines because deadlines are a part of white supremacy. I didn't know if you knew that, Allison. I did not. Yeah, uh, they're not. They shouldn't be held to deadlines. They shouldn't have to hand in assignments or do homework. Educators say that some kids can't hand work in on time and do homework. And some kids just don't want to. And that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Wow. You know, and, you know, some people might say, well, what's wrong with that? It's not fair to hold everybody to the same standards. Okay, 
We're not talking about children who have special needs or those who have intellectually limited uh, problems. We're talking about children who are of normal or above average intelligence who come from different ethnic family or economic backgrounds. There's kids since the since the beginning have done the work. No matter what economic background you come from, you can still hand in an assignment on time. Mm-hmm. Okay? They can do the work. This theory claims to eliminate bias. It's actually judging students in the most bias of ways by their demographic, by the color of their skin, and not by what they do. They've virtually given up on the potential for some students to do what is required in order to learn. So if you barely pass a test with 60%, you're considered just as good as a student who passed with 100%. All students get an A under equity grading, regardless if they did classwork or homework, regardless of what they do on exams. Uh, The Fordham Institute wrote about this and said, when a lot more students get A's, two undesirable things happen. First, an A grade is meaningless. Uh, it's, It's used as a signal to students and parents about their achievement, but you can't tell if everybody gets an A. And uh, it doesn't, doesn't tell admissions officers, employers, how you, how you did in school. Everybody gets an A. Well, that's colleges will rely on entrance exams, which a lot of schools actually are dropping, and extracurricular involvement. So let's take this to its logical conclusion. Think about medical schools across the country admitting students based on their extracurricular activities such as the clubs they were in or the sports they were in instead of their grades and the fact that they were proficient but not excellent in the context required to succeed in medical school and become a doctor. Think about a medical student who's never been held accountable for doing and handing in assignments. Well, Who do you want operating on you? <laughs> a doctor who worked hard and excelled in his or her studies? Or one who is a slacker and merely, quote, proficient under equity grading, you won't know which is which. Yeah, that, that, that is very scary. Yeah. I mean, it, it is human nature to do the least amount of work possible if the end reward is going to be the same as somebody else who worked hard. Ask anybody from a communist country. <laughs> uh, There's there an old joke going around the Soviet Union. It said, we pretend to work and they pretend to pay us. <laughs> yeah. So, so. Uh, the bottom line is parents have to be more diligent, pay more attention to what their children are doing in school. I'm all for putting uh, cameras in schools and uh, having parents able to get on the Internet and see what their kids are being taught. Oh, a lot of teachers are oh, oh, can't do that. Well, why not? Well, I was going to say the question is why, why don't teachers want cameras in classrooms? Yeah, what are you doing that you don't want parents to mm-hmm. know about? So, you know, your child, pay attention, your child might get an A but not have achieved skills at an A level. So look at the work your kid is doing, your children are doing, compare their work with their grade level and their age. You, you, you know what grade level uh, they should be uh, working at. So pay attention, please. It's called equity grading. If you hear that. <laughs> well, I was going to say run the other way. but No, but no run you should... the other way should get involved if you're get involved if, with your school everybody ought to get involved and see what their kids are being taught okay we're going to take a really quick break and coming up some of the funniest state mottos and slogans you've heard as well as that recipe that i've been oh where's promising. the recipe we want to know the simplest recipe probably ever heard ever of. ever ever one ingredient
Welcome back. We're Bill and Allison, Hill Country Patriot, your information station. And you can hear us anytime, recordings of our past shows, at firstcoupleoftexasradio.com. Yeah, you can download them to your favorite uh, digital device and take them with you wherever you go. Well, I have been promising, we have been promising to share this most fabulous recipe that I just discovered. And uh, when I read it, I thought, well, that's not going to work. That's really stupid. So uh, I told Bill, who's the grocery shopper, I said, get me a can of uh, sweetened condensed milk. And he said, okay. And so I told him why. Well, what you do is you take a can of sweetened condensed milk. Uh, You do not open it. You take off the paper label and you put it in a crock pot. And you make sure it's it's covered, totally covered with water. Uh, totally, totally immersed, like a couple of inches of water above the can. And then you set it on low for eight hours. And what comes out is the most fabulous caramel I've ever tasted. And, and It's hard that, to believe that works. I know. And it cost... I asked Bill when he went to the grocery how much it cost, and he said about $15. I said, no, it didn't. Well, he went into the grocery store to buy one thing, the sweetened condensed milk, and he ended up buying $15 worth of stuff. Yes. But but <laughs> exactly. it, it, anyway, anyway, and, and this so this probably cost $1.50, and it's going to last a long time. It's very, very rich. So, so you don't don't eat much of it at a time, but what 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 it does, um, and I realized the the chemistry of it, uh, the science of it, um, but before I started making it, um, what happens is the way you make caramel is you take sugar, um, just plain white sugar, um, and you stir it with cream and and that sort of thing on the stove for a long time, and the sugar caramelizes. Um, but with the sweetened condensed milk, it does it inside the can in the crock pot. Yeah. When Allison told me, you know, get a can, and then she said, uh, you don't open the can. <laughs> Why do you make something without opening the can? So that's just an amazing recipe. One mm-hmm. ingredient recipe, you don't even open the can. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, how long did you uh, cook it? Eight hours on low. On low. In, in, in the crock in pot. In a crock pot. Okay. That's wild. That's wild. Well, you know, uh, half the country believes if you give up your stove, your car, and eat bugs because people who take private jets to Davos told you to, it's going to make the weather better. Half the people believe that. Well, here's a man who does, and his name is Dr. Ian Plymer. He's a geologist and emeritus professor at the University of Melbourne, a professor of mining geology at the University of Adelaide, Australia, uh, as well as a professor of earth sciences at the University of Melbourne. He's held roles at several other institutions. Dr. Plymer is the author of several books and scientific articles in his field of geology. In addition to his academic career, he's been the director of several mining companies and has received several national awards, and we're very pleased to be able to hear from Dr. Plymer. We hear about climate scientists, whatever that is. Now, in geology, we have a 250-year track record 
of arguing about climate. Textbooks are full of it. We've been labouring about climate for a long while, and then there's this sudden new invention of climate science. And I had some of these when I was head of department at the University of Melbourne, and these are embittered, obscure, unemployable academics funded by your taxes, and those taxes are to fund these people's hobbies, and the end result of that is that they put good people out of work and they cost our nation trillions. So there's one group of people that use models, another group of people, I mean, this is, this is really sinful, we use evidence, and the two are not in accord. And if they're not in accord, you've got to throw out the models, which we've seen time and time again are incorrect. So we can look back in the past and we can see that we've had six great ice ages. During that ice age, we'll have the ice expand, that's a glaciation, or it will contract, that's an interglacial. We are currently in an interglacial of an ice age that started on a Thursday 34 million years ago. <laughs> and the ice has come and gone. In our last interglacial, sea level was about seven metres higher. Temperature was about five degrees warmer. So if someone says, oh, this is the hottest day on record, you have to ask, since when? <laughs> if it's the hottest day in the last 120,000 years, then that is a record. But um, since when? So if we go to the peak of our interglacial, which was about 4,000 years ago, it was about five degrees warmer. So it's cooler than the hottest temperature on record. If we go to the time of Jesus, when it was warm, it's about four degrees cooler than then. If we go to the Dark Ages, go to the Viking Age, we've actually warmed up since then. If we go to the medieval warming, we've cooled down since then. And if we go to the Little Ice Age, we've warmed up since then. So since when? And I know this is going to surprise you, but we've just come out of a Little Ice Age. What do you think temperature's going to do? Fall or rise? It's been rising since the morning minimum more than 300 years ago. So it is no surprise that if you have cut-off times for temperature or for sea level or for hurricanes or whatever, you can spin whatever yarn you want to spin. These six great ice ages started when we had more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere than now. We have 0.04% of that gas in the atmosphere. And we hear words like emissions. Well, that means nothing to me because the atmosphere has changed in its carbon dioxide content from over 20% to now, which is really low in geological time. If we halved it, all plant life would die and animals would die. We had a, that was Dr. Ian Plymer, who is a geologist and emeritus emeritus professor at the University of Melbourne in Australia and also a professor of mining geology at the University of Adelaide in Australia. We had uh, an audio from a, a, a gentleman who uh, has a nursery, and uh, he explained, uh, and uh, actually it was an audio taken off a video, but uh, he shows uh, this machine, and he said, and he's in the nursery, and he shows mach machine, and he said, do you know what this machine is? It's a carbon dioxide generator. And he said, do you know why? He said, because the level of carbon dioxide uh, is too low for a lot of plants uh, to survive. 
And that's why we have them in the nursery, and we have to generate carbon dioxide. I don't know. Are they not, Allison, not teaching in schools anymore that carbon dioxide is necessary for all plant life? Apparently not. I mean, plants, in case you didn't get taught this in grade school, plants breathe in the carbon dioxide and breathe out oxygen. Okay, so if we eliminate or if we reduce our, I've seen the figures, I don't remember what they are, but we're getting close to carbon dioxide um, emissions being so low that a lot of plant life can't survive. And that means a lot of oxygen will not be created. So it would be the death of not only plant life, but people as well. So this CO2 nonsense is, is completely crazy. Um, you, know, the, the, you know, the secret plot, by the way, to make these uh, climate crazies look like idiots is known as Operation Just Let Them Speak. And it's working. <laughs> it's working. Well, I told, I told um, before the break that uh, we're going to tell you some, some really odd uh, state mottos and slogans. And states have mottos. Some of them, some of them are nice and make sense. Um, Ohio is the Buckeye State. And that's where I grew up. Uh, and it, that's been the um, the state state motto since um, oh the mid eighteen hundreds. Um, but growing up, I never saw a buckeye. I'm not sure what they are or what you do with them even today. <laughs> but it's the Buckeye State. Huh. Uh, there's even a city in Arizona named Buckeye. One of its founders uh, is named it for his home state of Ohio, and uh, for your, it just information uh buckeye arizona a suburb of phoenix is one of the fastest growing cities in the country really mm-hmm. uh, uh, new hampshire um their motto is live free or die which is on their license plate and um, those license plates are made by state prisoners <laughs> <laughs> a little irony there isn't it live free or die uh, nebraska's tourism slogan wasn't for everyone now it's history um the state's tourism director announced that its brutally honest tagline, Nebraska, honestly, it's not for everyone, would be retired after five years. <laughs> well, uh, on that subject, let me interrupt you because there's a uh, there was a contest in Iowa uh, for a new license plate slogan. Uh, and it's it used to be the Tall Corn State, as I recall. And... Uh, they wanted a new, you know, they think, well, that's not really attracting tourists. <laughs> so how about a new slogan? And so, <laughs> somebody offered Iowa, gateway to Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, some, some more uh, state tourism, tourism slogans now. Uh, what's the worst? I'll let <laughs> you can decide. Rhode Island? Cooler and warmer. The state's chief marketing officer was forced to resign over this in 2016. Mm. Idaho's license plates have the slogan, Famous Famous Potatoes. potatoes. If they're that famous, you probably don't need to remind everyone. Or have them on your license plate. (laughs) Washington introduced Say What? W-A, which is the the abbreviation for the state. Say What? (laughs) <laughs> Residents said no. <laughs> yeah. The state motto of Texas, do you, Bill, do you know what it is? 
Ooh, the Lone Star State? No. Um, Gateway to Oklahoma? No. <laughs> no, I don't know, I guess. I, did, I, did, I had to look it up. Um, it was officially adopted in 1930. It's Friendship. <laughs> I think we need to revisit that one. It's, it's been around since 1930, but obviously we've lived here for a long time and we didn't know what it was. I'm a native Texan. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> Yeah, but it was, and it was chosen because the name of Texas, or Tejas, was a Spanish pronunciation of the local Indian tribe's uh, word meaning friends or allies. Oh. (laughs) Some people believe that remember the Alamo is a Texas state motto, but it was the motto of the Republic of Texas from 1836 to 1845, Hmm. not, not of the state of Texas. I didn't know that. Do you want to know the best state slogan? I like Live Free or Die. That's my favorite one. Virginia is for lovers. I like that. I do too. Since we used to live in Virginia when we worked for the U.S. Congress. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so we saw that. It was on the license plates. It still is. Yeah, absolutely. Does that music mean we're coming up on a short break, Allison? Yes, it does. Okay, I can barely hear it. That's because you're talking. I, I, I make it low so that so people oh, can hear you talk. That's a good idea. Allison's in charge of my microphone. She's, that's right. She's, she's the engineer around here. I couldn't be on the air without her. See, it's kind of scary that she's in charge of when I can talk and when I have to shut up. Welcome back. Wow. We're Bill and Allison Mincaro on the Hill Country Patriot, your information station. We're on the Hill Country Patriot. We're on the Hill Country Patriot, <laughs> as you just are. as you just heard. I wondered what happened to our bump. <laughs> sort of dropped off the dropped off the schedule. <laughs> well, as I was told by fellow engineers when I said I was I was nervous about taking this job, they said they said they said don't worry. It ain't Brayton surgery. Nobody's going to die. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, when uh, the, the little history of our show a few years ago, uh, Harley said to me, uh, well, I, you know, you were in radio. And I said, yeah, when the, we had carts and, and um, with our, you know, tape cartridges uh, and uh, a different kind of board and no computers and that kind of thing. Anyway, he said, well, can you fill in for me? Uh, I'm going to take a vacation. I said, sure. He said, well, I'll teach you how to run the board, because it's all new to me since years ago. Uh, so I came in, and uh, first 30 seconds, I decided there's no way I can do this. Because it's got, what is it, two computer, three computer screens, two mm-hmm. mice, this flashing lights and dials and, <laughs> and levers and, you know, all sorts of stuff. And uh, I thought, so I came home to Alice. I didn't tell Harley, but I came home to Alice, and I said, I can't do this. And she said, well, I'll do it. So she spent, she stepped up to the plate, spent a week, right? Mm-hmm. At Harley's Elba. Watching, watching, learning the board. So now she runs the board, and I'm very, very proud of her. Our website, by the way, is firstcoupleoftexasradio.com. Firstcoupleoftexasradio.com. There you can hear past shows. You can download them to your favorite digital device. Take them with you wherever you want to go. You know, you're talking about state mottos, Allison. Well, I had some mm-hmm. interesting... You are a cat lover. When I got married yes. to Allison, I also married three cats, and I never 
Never yeah. had been around cats. Love, love me, love my cats. I grew up around a, a dog. We had a German Shepherd dog, and uh, I'm, I'm sorry, German <laughs> Short Hair. We we Alice and I during our married life has have had, had a German Shepherd, but we had a German Short Hair when I was growing up, and uh, so I was more of a dog person. And as soon as we got married, we got a Rhodesian Ridgeback puppy, which was. <laughs> quite the challenge obviously we had no idea what we were doing and but uh she how many pounds did she end up weighing uh i believe she, she topped out about 115 and she mm-hmm. lost her ability to to walk uh back legs and uh but she was mentally just fine so i did not want to do the deed uh so i would carry her around to go outside and do her business and carry her back in the house up steps by the way a 115 pound dog and uh, at one point, I remember picking her up in the kitchen, and something happened to my back. It felt like a spring had sprung, and I just dropped to the floor. Fortunately, it was not permanent, but it uh, bothered me for a while. But um, anyway, that was our, our doggy, uh, Rhodesian Ridgeback. And then we got a Springer Spaniel. We had her for, or him rather for 14 years, died of natural causes. And just a few weeks ago, we adopted a. Well, we think a new a, dog. A new dog. <laughs> we're we're, ner- we're not sure. We were told that she was a poodle, standard poodle. Mm-hmm. Um, apricot color. Apricot. Um, she looks but, like a stuffed animal. Yes, yeah, she does. She does. She's absolutely tell, beautiful. Tell the story about the movie. Oh, right. Or the workman, whatever he was. Yeah, we we had some move, having some getting some new furniture, and um, the mover, uh, his helper. Uh, told the story on him um well first of all i I have a couple of uh, stuffed bears in the the living room and one is quite large he would probably be four feet tall if he was standing he was huge and then there's another another stuffed bear on his lap and uh there were also some dog toys on the floor which are some of them were stuffed animals so so this this uh, mover just assumed that our dog was a stuffed animal <laughs> and then she moved <laughs> and he was uh, the poor guy was totally freaked out <laughs> yeah that was funny but that he did funny. laugh about it for the rest yeah. of the day so we're not sure if we have a standard poodle or a golden doodle mm-hmm. and uh, but i guess we're going to find out we are i ordered a dna test <laughs> that's going to tell us what she is not that we care but uh, no we don't care we're not going to breed her yeah. or show her but she's yeah. She's wonderful. She is wonderful. We're just very curious. She is the most low-key dog I've ever seen. I mean, just, yeah. Yeah. just uh, she thinks she's 20 years old, but she's only two and a half. Yeah, you, so, you never know she's around. Yeah, yeah, and totally housebroken. We're very blessed to have her. We thank the Lord for that. Well, here's some interesting things about cats, Allison, since you're a cat okay. lover. Okay. Uh, a cat's best sense is its hearing. They can rotate their ears 180 degrees. They are capable of hearing 1.6 octaves above the range of a human and one octave above that of a dog. They also have better night vision than humans, but they are nearsighted. Hmm. Their, their visual acuity ranges from 20, how do you put it, 20, 100, 20 slash 100 to 2200. Oh, okay. What most people can see, if they have perfect vision, at, uh, they can see at 200, a cat needs 20 mm-hmm. uh, feet. Well, I think my vision used to be about 2200. Yeah. Since cats rarely meow toward each other, you know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they meow toward people. Yes, they do do it toward humans. They don't meow mm-hmm. to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, cats groom each other by licking to be social. 
which is known as aloe grooming. If your cat licks you, it means she's accepted you into the group. <laughs> a dog's brain is larger than a cat's, but a cat's That's because brain, dogs are bigger. But a, yeah, a cat's brain is more complex. Cat brains have about three hundred. 300 million neurons compared to about 160 million for dogs. Hmm. Now, the oldest cat on record, Cream Puff, born on August 3rd, 1967, passed away on August 5th, 2005, at the age of 38. Wow. Yeah, and she only had one owner. Okay. And speaking of age, it's commonly believed that one human year equals seven cat years. However, experts multiply the cat's year by four and add 16 years to get cat ears in, in human ears. Hmm. Oh, oh, so that's good. If you Do you know what the word is if you own a bunch of cats? What the word <laughs> for a bunch of domesticated cats is? Crazy cat lady. <laughs> there you go. Uh, clouder. Hmm. A clouder. It's only used to describe groups of domestic cats. Though. Hmm. Uh, the CIA's Directorate of Science and Technologies had an Operation Acoustic Kitty. There was a plan in the 1960s to implant listening devices in cats. <laughs> and they shut that down pretty, pretty soon after that. Oh, and finally, if you want to have great coffee, Kopi Luwak. It's a rare and usually expensive coffee from Indonesia. One of the ingredients is coffee cherries that have been eaten and pooped out by a wild cat, <laughs> the civet cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard of that. I, I have too. Well, uh, it's Carol King's birthday this week, and uh, everybody knows who Carol King, I'm sure, was one of the most successful female songwriters of the latter half of the 20th century. She wrote or co-wrote 118 pop hits on the Billboard Hot 100, and this is one of her most famous songs. Happy birthday, Carol King! Stayed in bed all morning just to pass the time There's something wrong here, there can be no denying One of us is changing, or maybe we've just stopped trying And it's too Happy birthday, Carol King. And we are Bill and Allison and Carol. We're here every Saturday from 8 to 10. And uh, we're on hillcountrypatriot.com. Uh, and we also are at first couple of texasradio.com. But join us live every Saturday morning, 8 to 10. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime... Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your paths.